Global Broadcasting Networks presents Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. We have a great show today. We've got Rick Johnson, and he is a best-selling author. He wrote a great book called That's My Son, which I have a copy of, and I also have a copy of his That's My Teenage Son. And he came out with a great book called 10 Things Great Dads Do, Strategies for Raising Great Kids. And I liked this book for me because as a single mom and the most powerful influence in my kid's life, um, we don't have a stepdad. They do have a father that, you know, um, is in and out of their lives. But I've found that reading some of these things that great dads do, I can incorporate those in my own mom way. So without much further ado, I'm going to bring on Rick Johnson, and we're going to talk today about what are some of the things that dads do that create great children. Rick, welcome to the show. Hi, Sandra. Good talking to you. Nice talking to you, too. So I really enjoy your books. I really uh, am a big fan of them. I love that you explain things in a really easy manner um, so that I can understand them and implement them. I want to share with our listeners today a little bit about your background um, and what compelled you to create this book series, Helping Families. Well... How much time do we have? We got a whole uh, hour, so let it rip. Okay. Yeah, uh, you know, my I, my background, I think, is, is probably not unique. It's probably pretty similar to a lot of people's backgrounds. I was, I was raised in an alcoholic home, uh, pretty abusive. Both uh, mother and stepfather were alcoholics. And, you know, I grew up and made, followed in some of those footsteps and made a lot of mistakes, um, even up to the point of, um, yeah, making a lot of mistakes and things I'm not proud of, put it that way. And was fortunate enough to, to find a, a woman that is way better than I deserve to marry me and um, continued to do some of those kinds of mistakes. And finally, uh, we had children, and I decided at that time that I didn't want to pass those legacies on to my kids, so I kind of stopped all the drugs and alcohol and those kinds of behaviors, cold turkey, and and threw myself into society's legal narcotics, which would be work, and started my own business and became pretty successful. Um, and by the age of about 39 or 40, had you know everything that our culture would consider to be successful. We had money and houses and cars and beautiful wife and kids and, you know, pretty much everything that says should make you happy. The problem was, is I was not happy. I was, in fact, very unhappy. Seemed like the more I accomplished, the less gratifying it was. And, and actually was to the point where I can remember driving down the freeway and thinking to myself, if I just flicked this steering wheel into the telephone pole, you know, all the anger, all the frustrations, all those things would stop and I wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. And um, fortunately, that's not a legacy I wanted to pass on to my kids either. So 
kind of started um I didn't have a lot of friends back then. I guess you could say I had a lot of acquaintances, but um didn't really have any men I respected to to speak into my life and um so I started looking throughout history at men that I admired and um it was interesting to me that all the men whose lives I studied, the only common denominator that they all had is that they were Christians. And for me, that was a big worldview revelation because I was raised to believe that, you know, all Christians were hypocrites and that religion was a crutch for weak people and all those kinds of stereotypes that you hear. <clears throat> and so basically I spent a year trying to um, studying the Gospels to trying to disprove their validity. And, and after a year, I came to the conclusion that um, I couldn't disprove them, and in fact, they were true. And so at that point, I accepted Christ into my life and became a Christian. So that obviously caused some changes in my life. Um, in fact, I think my kids were 8 and 10 at that time, and, and they kind of have a, a before-Christ image of Dad and an after-Christ image of Dad. Um, but anyway, after that, I... I really spent a lot of time praying to God about what he would have me do with my life, because I, I wanted to live a life of significance. I think most people do. I wanted to make a difference in the world, but the challenge is, how does one person make a difference in the world? I mean, the, the problem seems so overwhelming, and I think God really placed on my heart that men and fathers were the key to everything, That um, primarily because they were responsible for a lot of the problems in our in our culture, but... Um, that if I could change one man's life, I, I could change not only his fam his life, but his family's and and grandchildren and and virtually everybody they ever came in contact with lives could be impacted positively. So that's kind of how it started out. I, I just started kind of trying to work with men, teaching them some tools for their tool belts, if you will, some things I'd learned the hard way, maybe, and um, kind of made a covenant with God that. It was his ministry, and I would just be available for whatever opportunities he put in my path. And that's a really dangerous <laughs> deal to make with God because um, he started putting all kinds of stuff that I was not comfortable with, um, going into prisons. Shortly thereafter, a, a school counselor approached me and said, you know, we got all these single moms that are raising boys in our district. Can you put something together? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I work with men, right? I'm, I'm not, you know, women are a whole different story. So, but he kept bugging me about it, and, and finally he said, you know, Rick, it's it's easier to raise a boy than a man, than to fix a man. And I thought well, that that's very true. So, put some together. That's actually how um, that's my son came about. A publisher had heard what we were doing. Uh, those workshops exploded all around the country because there was such a need out there for for moms to understand how to raise healthy boys. And so. That's just how it's evolved. I, you know, I never set out to be a writer, a speaker, uh, or ministry. I was, you know, minding my own business, just trying to live life and keep my head above water. And and uh, it's just a real testament to what God has a, a plan for your life. And and if you're just willing and available, He can He can use you to make a difference in many, many, many people's lives. That's the long version. <laughs>
Well, no, I like that because, you know, it gives us a different perspective, Rick, because, you know, on my show, a lot of times we have therapists, we have counselors, we have, you know, it's always interesting to me when, you know, you have counselors who don't have kids or therapists who've never raised a a boy as a single parent or, you know, some of these things. Um, And as much as I appreciate their knowledge, it it's always refreshing to me for somebody who stepped out of the trenches and said, okay, this is what I experienced. This is how we fixed it. This is what we did, you know, and, and, you know, I, I'm not disputing that, that knowledge is not a wonderful thing, but so much of your stuff is from hands-on experience, not so much, you know, having a, a psychological or a medical or a counseling background. Well, you know, my publisher all the time promotes me as a, a parenting expert. It's like you know, the only way I'm an expert is if you consider an expert somebody that's made all the mistakes you could possibly make in an area, right? And then, then maybe I could somehow be considered an expert. But um, yeah, I don't, um, I don't, you know, like this current book, Ten Things Great Dads Do. I, I don't consider myself one of those great dads that um, that I kind of interviewed for that book. So. I'm learning all the time as well. Everything that I'm doing, I'm learning as much as anybody who's reading or, or at one of my talks. So, But, uh, you know, there's a lot in here. Like, I just want to share with our listeners uh, today a little passage. Um, and this is in the book, Ten Things Great Dads Do by Rick Johnson. Um, what your face and body are saying when you aren't talking. And you talk about when my children were very small, I worked away from home. There were good reasons for this. And then... Um, you know, when I was home, I was either sleeping or busy keeping the house, but I thought this was okay because I assumed that like most people do, babies, toddlers, and even small children need their mothers more than their fathers. I assume when they got older and can communicate more, you know, then they would communicate with me. I think that is a belief system that everybody has i know i had it before i read this book i really didn't think about it i know my uh friends fathers that i talked to about shared the same thing and we're going to go to commercial break uh now in just about a minute and i want to talk about that uh when we get back from the break just the face and body language you know what that means to children and and you know what that means to you as a father but before we do can you tell me where people can find more about about you yeah our website betterdads.net is uh you can find all of our books and all of our resources speaking schedule things like that so betterdads.net and what are some of the other books that you have for people who are interested well for moms you know the, the that's my son that's my teenage son um have books for men like uh, better dad stronger sons um the power of a man which is kind of a book on authentic masculinity um Speaking your man's language, um, how to talk so a man, or so your husband will listen and listen, so your husband will talk. Uh, marriage of your dreams, have uh, marriage books, um, romancing your better half, uh, becoming your spouse's better half. Um, yeah, a whole bunch of books. A whole bunch <laughs> of books. Okay, of this is Sandra Beck. We will have more with Rick Johnson after the break. His name is spelled J-O-H-N-S-O-N, Rick Johnson, 10 Things Great Dads Do. And lots more ahead. Stay with us on Military Mom Talk Radio. <laughs> 
It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating, and exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same. But if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Hey, moms, dads, and grandparents. This is Sandra Beck from Military Mom Talk Radio, and I know how hard it is to provide a great education for military kids. K-12 believes every child is uniquely brilliant. So to prepare them for college and succeed beyond high school, they deserve an education designed just for them. Learn more at k12.com front slash grade about enrollment. A child's brilliance comes in many forms. Some are curious, others inventive, some are analytical. K-12 is a full-time, tuition-free, online option to traditional public school. Taught by state-certified teachers, schools powered by K-12 provide an individualized education, enhancing your child's ability to succeed. K-12 programs teach to and embrace your child's unique brilliance. Students from K-12-powered schools go on to fine colleges and universities, enhancing their ability to succeed in life. Be part of the community of families who have succeeded with a tuition-free online K-12 education. K-12 welcomes students from grade K to 12. Visit k12.com front slash grade or call 855-628-9531 for more information about enrolling. That's k12.com front slash grade. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and we are visiting today with Rick Johnson, the author of 10 Things Great Dads Do. Now, before the break, I read a little passage about what your face and your body are saying when you aren't talking. And, you know, Rick, I think this is so important. I come from a family of giant people. You know, I've got giant brothers, giant grandparents, giant grandmother, big old stern. My Aunt Erna was, to me, was just huge and foreboding, even though she was a lovely woman. And I think there's a lot of times that that dads especially don't, realize that they're communicating a lot more about what they're saying even when they're not even talking yeah and i you know i think studies show that probably 80 percent of communication is body language rather than verbal and so you know i first of all god has created within our children and a certain innate fear factor of their fathers and and that's good for for certain things but if men aren't aware of it and use it responsibly, it can do great damage. First of all, men are so much bigger and stronger than their children and even their wives most of the time. And that can be very frightening. We have much deeper voices. We tend to speak louder. Um, those things are all frightening. The words that we – I talk to men all the time about the words that you use. Uh, they carry a lot of weight. And, and, in fact, there's a lot of people walking around – in this world right now that are carrying around very heavy 
words that their father spoke to them, then they carry them their whole lives in their hearts. And um, as men, we have to be aware of that. Our wrath, our anger is very frightening to our wife and children. Now, we're comfortable with anger. Men typically are comfortable with anger. We don't think a lot about what we say, especially when we're upset. We just blow off steam and then we get over it and it's no big deal and our friends are the same way. But, you know, it's very, can be very traumatizing to our wife and children. I, and our, you know, you mentioned our facial expressions. Um, you know, when my kids were growing up, they would come up and ask me things like, Dad, are you mad? I'm like, well, no, I'm not mad. Why do you ask? And it's like, well, because you look like you're mad. And it's like, really? I'm thinking. I mean, that's my thinking phase, right? Um, but to them, they interpreted that I was angry about something just because I was concentrating. So, you know, I think we have to be aware of, you know, it, it, as an adult, if, if we came across the person who was nine feet tall and 500 pounds, and they were standing above us yelling at us, it'd probably scare us pretty badly. And, you know, when your kids are little, that's basically the same same measurement compared to them. Well, that's funny because, you know, my, my one brother, my NASA brother is like, I don't know, he's got to be 6'2", maybe 275 of solid muscle. And when my kids were little, you know, they would love to play with him and he would run at him, you know, on his knees and stuff like that. And one time, just to, to have some fun, he came around the corner and he went, ha, you know, mm-hmm. at my his little son and his friend and the friend started to cry and my son fell mm-hmm. backwards. They were so scared. And I was like, mm-hmm. Uncle Doug, you're like a giant blonde horse <laughs> running at a person going, wow, mm-hmm. you know, just the proportions. And, you know, and I think it's something that like, you know, most men make that mistake once, um, you know, and then learn from it. But I think it's really important that, you know, when we're concentrating and I think this is true of moms too. My kids will say the same thing, Rick. They'll be like mom are you mad and i'm like oh no i'm concentrating you know this book is really hard for me to understand and just that explanation you know helps so much but now i'm more conscious of making the scrunchy face when i when i'm reading yeah and you know i mean for kids it's a survival mechanism i mean if if their caregivers the ones that they depend on for virtually for their life for, certainly for their food, for their shelter, for protection. If if something is disrupting that relationship and that parent is angry or upset or, I mean, literally, that that impacts their survival. And, of course, they're going to be concerned and worried about it. We'd be the same way if we were totally dependent upon this huge entity and um, and they were upset and, and yelling and, and having all kinds of fits and things like that. So... Well, you know, yeah, I, read I think an especially as men, we have to be aware of, of of our of our wrath and how how damaging it can be. Well, and how damaging, you know, all fighting can be. I'm just going to buzz in here on my sister show, Military Mom Talk Radio. Uh, we had a couple experts on, and <laughs> I don't know what that meant. They made all the mistakes they can make, or they were educated experts. I can't remember. But what I do remember from that show is that uh, when parents fight or a parent fights and raises their voice and and waves their arms or, you know, makes those gestures that we do when we're angry, um, the reaction in the child 
child is very similar to what a soldier experiences in combat. And, you know, that same frightening, that same elevation of heart rate, that same thing, um, because it shatters the child's world. Um, and I thought that was really interesting to go, wow, we've got combat stress. And then, you know, we've got, you know, maybe divorce stress or, or you know, think. So the next time, you know, anybody listening today gets in an argument or they raise their voice or they do whatever, you know, think about it's very easy for us to all think about what combat must be like because we see it on TV. But take that and put it in the perspective of the child. And, you know, that's the kind of reaction that they have. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up, Sandra. Um, when our kids were little, when my wife and I would get in a in a heated discussion, and, and we wouldn't be screaming or anything like that, but we would be obviously having a, a disagreement, um, they would run and hide. And, and we'd go find them and ask them what was going on, and, and they, they would be scared. And they, they wouldn't be scared because we were being over the top. They were scared because so many of their friends, parents had gotten divorced, but they were afraid that we were going to get divorced. And one of the things that I had to do was constantly reassure them that, look, you know, I'm always going to be your dad. I'm always going to be married to your mom. You know, I'm not going anywhere. And, and they needed to have that kind of commitment and reassurance pretty continuously. So yeah, I, I, I absolutely would agree with that. I think I think um, we have to be careful how we argue. That, but a good opportunity to, to teach them too how you get into a an argument and then resolve it uh, healthily with your spouse as well. Well, and that's you know they so... need to see us making up after we after we get into a disagreement too. Right, or agree to disagree, or you know, and and the respect in how you talk to each other when you disagree, um, because I think that that's one of the things you know my my kids have modeled um, unfairly for them. You know, when my ex husband and I got divorced, we didn't know a whole lot about fair fighting, and you know, when you talk about things you would do over differently, you know, I would do the fighting differently. I think I would cry less or be less emotional and walk away from the arguments more than join into them and think about is it more important for me to be right or is it more important for me to to resolve this peacefully in front of my kids those are things i would do very differently today than i than i did you know 5 years ago well and just to follow up on that once more um every year we have a single moms family camp where we bring out a bunch of single moms and their kids and for a free weekend and we bring out a bunch of men just to play with the kids all weekend, get that positive male role model in their life. And then we hold classes for the moms and do all sorts of things for them, have a spa day and things like that for them. But um, one of the things, the, the and we all come together for lunch and dinner, right? And one of the things the first year that the moms told us was most helpful for them and for their kids was to see the interactions between the married couples that were volunteering there. So we started trying to, you know, all, get all married couples to come and volunteer. But one day, at, I think at lunch, my wife and I had this disagreement about something. I don't know, it was probably something silly. And, um, of course, everybody in the place is watching, right? We thought we were being, <laughs> we thought we were being quiet about it. But everybody in the place is watching. I was like, man, we really blew it. I was talking to the moms, and they're like, no, man, that's the first time we've ever seen anybody get into an argument and then, and then, you know, come together and resolve the issue healthily. 
And uh, they said it was just hugely important for us. And I was like, yeah, we did that on purpose just to teach you. <laughs> you know, so that's not true, but um, they weren't buying that. But, um, yeah, it, it, it goes to your point that absolutely we need to, we need to teach them how to, how to interact healthily as well. Well, and I think, you know, there's so many things as parents that we teach uh, without teaching, um, you know, and it and it's more like they're like little sponges and they, they soak up things. And I'd like to talk to you, um, I'm not real sure how much time we have left uh, before commercial break, but I'd like to shift gears a little bit um, and find out uh, how is the best way for a parent to teach your ch- children, like we all know about teaching your children faith. You know, you take them to church, you talk about them, you know, we, we read the Bible in our house. You know, we have all these things um, that we do, but children are born with a body, a soul, you know, which is, I think, the mind and the spirit. And we want to talk about how to nurture these things because in my house, the majority of this fell on my mom and in my friends' households, what I've noticed is the spirituality and faith aspect of child rearing falls so much more on the woman. And I'd really like to know today, uh, when we get back from the break, Rick, um, how we can help their children, how we can help our children find their way. How do we, how do dads build spirituality in their children we're visiting today with rick johnson and he is the author of many books but the one we're talking about today is 10 great things dad do dads do strategies for raising great kids now he's got two other books that you know i'm big fans of i wasn't paid to promote this show um but i do like his book author um the book that's my son and that's my teenage son so if you are a single mom out there listening today and i know i've got a lot of you followers, um, get copies of these things because they will help you. They will enlighten you on some of these areas that are kind of mysterious. So when we come back from the break, we're going to visit with uh, Rick Johnson a little bit more and check out his book, 10 Great Things Dad Do, Strategies for Raising Great Kids. We've got lots more ahead. Stay with us on Military Mom Talk Radio. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. This is Uncommon Sense for Leaders, a forum for exploring leadership from the intellect, the heart, and the spirit. Whether you're a leader now or aspire to be a leader in the future, you owe it to yourself to learn about the big ideas that have shaped the careers of compelling communicators, masters of influence, and highly effective leaders. Uncommon Sense for Leaders. Tune in to hear thought-provoking ideas on every aspect of leadership. You can expect dynamic discussions with special guests, quick tips you can apply immediately for better results, and the tools you need to take you from where you are to where you want to be as a leader. 
Are you ready to crack the code for achieving unprecedented results? Then join the host for Uncommon Sense for Leaders, Catherine Carlisi, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the All Business Radio Network. We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. Hey, Mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Rick Johnson. And this part of the show, uh, we're going to talk about our child's spirituality. And this is something, you know, that I think is is changing in society as we see all these, like, mini churches, micro churches, mega churches pop up. And, you know, we've got so much of people saying, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You know, I hear these things day in and day out. And, you know, I look at my own issues uh, in my household, Rick, where... I'm faith-based and I'm from a faith-based family and you know my ex-husband is no longer and not faith-based and maybe never was I don't know I can't speak for him but the kid's dad um has very very and his new wife have very very different views from my views and often there's a lot of negating that goes on in the household and so I think it's it's probably easier when you have the same faith in a household. Um, even my mom and my dad, my dad was Protestant and my mom was Eastern Orthodox, became Roman Catholic. And there were, you know, differences you know, in the household. Um, so I don't know if both people are faith-based, if they always have the same opinion. I wouldn't know that. But it's extra hard when parents are not in solidarity with their beliefs or their beliefs change. You know, Rick, you got my attention earlier on in the show when you said you know you really came into your faith when your kids were were young um that's a hard shift for kids um well for my kids it was a great shift because because i i probably wasn't a very good human being before before i just wasn't happy i was angry you know and and i think a lot of healing took place put it that way after i after I became a Christian. So, so for my kids, I think, I think they would readily say that was a a great thing in their lives. Now, you know, how do the biggest question I think that all parents of faith ask is how do we, how do we help our guide our kids into having faith in their lives? And, And if we look at statistics from around the country, huge percentages of young people in high school and college are falling away from the church and and some of that I think is natural some of a lot of a lot of them come back after they get married and have kids but um you know I I think that is a a valid concern that a lot of parents have and and we need to be aware of that and and understand what are some ways that we can help to facilitate that in our children's lives well, and I think, you know, <laughs> describe my brothers to a T. You know, my family kills me because everything, you know, shows up on the air. But I always feel that, like, shame can not live in silence. Like, you know, shame or shame can lives in silence. It doesn't live in noise. So, you know, I think of my brothers, like my one brother especially, who my sister-in-law, you know, drags him to church each week. I don't think he'd set foot in a church if my, um, you know, my sister-in-law didn't make him. Bless her heart. Um You know, and my other brother, you know, he'll attend with me and the kids, but I don't have any knowledge of him not attending with it. But when my mom was dying, um, all of a sudden everybody's in church. (laughs) So, you know, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, 
most important for me, and, and Rick, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is this is my hope. This is my parenting whatever. I try to expose to my kids why faith is important in their life, how it helps me day to day, how it helps me be a single parent, how it helps me be a better person, how it helps alleviate depression and worry and, you know, all these frustrations that most people would say, gosh, you know, Sam, you you do so great with this stuff. What's your secret? And, you know, my secret is faith. It's just there, easy, boom, that's it. Um, And so, Rick, is it okay if we know that if the kids don't have a faith-based dad or the father's not in the picture, we, we, we know these statistics are real grim. But if we show them the best we can how important faith is in getting through life, it, I think we at least have a shot at, at getting them to rely on faith, at least when they need it. Well, I, I think that living out our is living out our faith is is not only helpful it's imperative for if we want to pass our faith on to our children and what i mean by living out is exactly what you're talking about the the good the bad the ugly all those kinds of they need to see us dealing with that as a person of faith and what that looks like um as an example i'll give you some examples from my life And, and in fact if our kids don't see us walking out on faith and getting tested and God coming through, um, they're not ever going to believe in God. So, for instance, I went full-time, and I clo- my, my business closed for, uh, which I'd had for 16 years. Um, I'd been doing part-time ministry at the time, and uh, so I decided I was going, full- I, it was a pretty clear picture that God wanted me to go full-time ministry. I think our daughter was like 17, and uh, she came to me, and she said, uh, she goes, well, how are we going to live? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm pretty sure God's going to provide for us. And she said, almost tearfully, she said, well, what if he doesn't? And I said, well, we'll worry about that when the time comes. And so for the, the last 10 years, she's seen that we've never missed mortgage payment. We've never missed a meal. You know, things have been tough from time to time, but, um, you know, she's seen, and, and, and when she was growing up and when she was in high school, she was a challenge, and she was not a child who I had any hope that was ever going to live a life of faith. And today, as a young woman, she is a vibrant, strong woman of God and growing in her faith in ways that I'm like, where is my daughter and <laughs> what did you do with her, you know? This is like things I, I would have never have dreamed of. But but I think a lot of that is because she was able to observe us walking through with our faith in our everyday life and, and all the problems and all the nastiness and dirtiness that comes with that. And if we just take our kids to church on Sunday and live this prim and proper life where they never see what it's really about, uh, it's hard to, to transmit that faith onto them, I think. It is. I, you know, I, I, I don't know how, you know, because I was started in faith, you know, before I could walk. So, you know, I don't, I can't imagine what life would be 
like without faith, you know, I, I, I can't even like that. I can't even comprehend that. But I do know that, you know, raising kids on my own, that if you don't have faith in your, and I'm just going to, I don't mean this any disrespectfully, but in your tool bag of tricks <laughs> to get through the day, mm-hmm. um, right. it's, it's so much harder, Rick. And there's something to be said about, you know, and, and I'm just going to speak for single moms, you know, there's this exhaustion that you feel. There's mm-hmm. never the downtime. There's not a minute where you're not, either they're with you and they're driving you nuts, either they're not with you, mm-hmm. maybe over dads, and then you're worrying. You know, it's, it's so different. And to be able to put everything up to God and take a breath and really do that, you know, not just say it like, oh, I'm going to give this over to God and, you know, wave my hands kind of thing to really turn it over. That's when you get this incredible peace and you feel like you can handle anything. Yeah, I I can't think of a tougher job than being a single parent. That's that's for sure. So absolutely. That's a good point. Now, what do you find, like when you talk to single moms, like, you know, these statistics are really grim. So what do we do? Like, what do we do if we don't have, you know, we know that if a dad is in faith and, you know, the kids walk in faith with him, you know, there's a real good likelihood they'll walk in faith for the rest of their life. What do you do if you don't have that? Yeah. Well, again, first, you know, walking it authentically, I think, because we talked about that. Um, and, and, and yeah, you're right too. The question comes up a lot with single moms. I think it's like, you know, this, this two different home environments and two different value systems. And how do you work around that? And it's, I just tell them, look, you just have to tell your kids, I have no control over your father's home or whatever, what they believe in. But in our home, here's what we believe in. And this is how we're going to live our lives. And they'll see, I think they'll see again, if you're authentic about it, I think they'll see those eventually see those differences the other things i think are important is is you have to know what your belief system is and and i'll talk to men more about this than i do women because i think women are a little more spiritually in tune with with what their spirituality is really like than men are what they what their belief system is i think i think men are a little bit vague about it sometimes but we have to we have to know what we believe because we're going to pass on to our kids what we believe whether we know what it is or not and if we don't know what it is, you know, then we're passing on some stuff that we don't really know about. The other thing we have to do is we have to resolve our spiritual wounds. And that, you know, there's a lot of us people walking around that have spiritual wounds. Um, the church is made up of, of wounded and, and sick people, and um, people get hurt. So we have to understand our wounds and deal with those. The other thing that we did with our kids is that... Um, a lot of times we would, um, gosh, pastors are going to hate me for saying this. We, we change churches sometimes in the best interest of our children. In other words, my wife and I may have been perfectly happy with the church, but they didn't have programs for, for kids, things that they could be involved in, healthy things that they were teaching, um, and so we, we found churches that did, and we switched to them. Uh, the, 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 our goal was to keep our kids engaged. Even with my daughter as a young adult woman, we recently switched to a church that she had found that she is hugely happy and excited with. And just because as parents, we wanted to support her and, and be there with her through her spiritual growth. 
Um, we were very Rick, happy I with take the us to, we Rick, Rick, i got to take us to commercial break. Uh, we're visiting today with Rick Johnson. This is Sandra Beck. When we come back from the break, we are going to talk with Rick about the different systems that kids have to navigate between homes and also the importance of choosing the right church. Um, I think that's a really important uh, decision to make, and that can flex and change as we grow and change over time. We'll be more with Rick after the break. LinkedIn. It's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady with the LinkedIn lady show Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on all business radio network.com. The LinkedIn lady show is designed to inform, inspire and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality and purpose. And the LinkedIn lady will interview a variety of guests such as business owners who can showcase their business and talk about how they use social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. You are beautiful. Back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck, bringing you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Let's get back to the show. Here's Sandra Beck. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and this is Motherhood Talk Radio and we are visiting today with Rick Johnson. He's the best-selling author of two of my favorite books, That's My Son and That's My Teenage Son. He's written this great book called 10 Things Great Dads Do, Strategy for Raising Great Kids. Um, when we Before we went to break, and for those of you that missed the first three quarters of today's show, you can find us on iTunes under Motherhood Talk Radio. You can go to our host station, T-O-G-I-N-E-T, that's Toginet at globalbroadcastingnetworks.com. Um, one of the things you talked about, Rick, was the difference, like especially in divorced households, there's two different value systems. There's two, like in, in my case, they're real va- different value systems. A lot of the value systems negate the other. And 
when my kids were little, I was really upset thinking, I'm a faith-based household. How are my kids going to navigate when they go into a non-faith-based household? And one of my friends who was divorced told me to calm down because kids have to learn to navigate all sorts of systems. The school system is a different set of rules, a different set of experiences and may or may not be faith-based the playground you know their friends houses they will learn to adapt and understand and when we get older we have the you know people go into the military that's one set of systems and values they might go into a corporation that might have different core values in the system so i'm here just to tell you guys don't freak out because you know your kids go somewhere that's not in your system because they're going to have to learn to deal with it anyway and so just be strong and your system strong in your faith strong in your beliefs you know rick you said know what your beliefs are i think that's really important if i know what my beliefs are it's really easy for me to impart to my kids what works for me so they have that in their tool bag growing up now i want to bring up something that i got a lot of flack for uh people sometimes laugh right out loud when i tell them these things but you know the discussion comes up among moms a lot of times is well you know what school do your kids go to well what church do you go to or what what you know house of worship do you go to um and why do you like that church <laughs> and rick i'm going to just put it out there all in all honesty the church that i go to i chose it because it has easy parking it's in within 20 minutes of my house. It's close to the grocery store, the Ross, the TJ Maxx, the Walmart, and the Sam's Club gas that I need to do. All of those things are part of my Sunday chores. I shop for the week, and I cook for the week on Sunday so that we have you know meals made and everything to get us through the week. Um, and I have my 81-year-old dad living with me. So the church has to have something for him has to have something for the kids. And if I'm going to do all this, I need to get something out of it. I used to go to a church that got into all the history of everything, and that was really cool and interesting. But what I needed to do was to go to church, be refreshed, you know, get powered up for the next week so that I could make it through, feel good about myself. Because, you know, honestly, if I don't go to church on Sunday, I don't have as good a week. I, I figured that out. Um, but those are my criteria. And a lot of people get all up in arms about any one of those things. I think it's awesome. Um, I, I, I never heard of anybody using some of those, but it makes a lot of sense from, from a single mom's perspective. I think. Um, but yeah, I think we have to be practical about that. And, and you know, I remember being into church once. Uh, there was actually a startup church with the pastor was a friend of mine, and um, we were going to it for a while. And finally, I had to go to him and say, "Look, you know, we have to leave because my wife and children aren't feel feeling like they're being fed." And um, I don't think he got it. I don't think he understood being a pastor. But um, yeah, we have to we have to do things, and we make sacrifices all the time for our children. And I think spiritually is no different. We have to do what's right for them if we want our faith to go on. Um, I just want to follow up real quick on the um, conversation that you had about um, different value systems, and um, to to let moms know, especially that. Um, First of all, kids are going to be most drawn to where they're loved the most. And um, as they're navigating through all these different systems, keep in mind that your home is probably where they're being loved the most in, particularly if they're spending the most time and, and getting fed there and things like that. The other side is that kids tend to be master manipulators. 
and um, they know that moms especially feel guilty about things a lot of times, and I think sometimes they use that, um, particularly where there's different value systems involved, in order to try to manipulate mom into feeling guilty and, and getting their own way sometimes. And uh, I think moms need to be aware of that and, and understand uh, what's taking place and, and not fall for that. Well, yeah, I have a great line with that, Rick, because, you know, I think, and I'm just going to, you know, my poor brothers and sisters take the brunt of everything. But, you know, my older brothers and sisters, especially the first two, they fall for it hook, line, and sinker. But for me, I'm down in the food chain, you know, towards the bottom. So I was watching, you know, brothers and sisters do this stuff. And it's so funny for me, Rick, because my kids will come in and pull something. I'm like, oh, my God, are you Uncle Steve? Or, oh, that was such an Uncle Doug. Or that's an Aunt Sue. Or that's an Aunt Jill. Or that's an Aunt Jen move. And it's so much harder for them to do that to me because, like, you know, as the younger one in the family, you know, you're like, wow, I totally get what you're doing there. But one of my friends told me to say this when they when you want if your kid's manipulating or not say you know what i need you to go pray on that and then come back and ask me again <laughs> mm, that's awesome that i, I was really going to share does. with you too uh, <laughs> i was going to share with you too real quickly um so a technique that i used that worked really well for instance when my when my daughter or my son was was a teenager and um you know, they were they were being obnoxious and wanting to do something. And, and particularly with my daughter, there were things that I just wouldn't let her do, even if I allowed my son to do them, because she was a, a young woman and, and it wasn't appropriate for her to be out late at night and things like that. And she could never understand that. And, and I would always say to her, look, even if I want you to go, I'm going to be accountable to God someday for how I parented you. And um, I don't want to have to be trying to explain him to him someday why I allowed you to do something that I knew wasn't in your best interest. And and she actually that actually worked really well with her because um, I was accountable to a to a higher source. It wasn't just me being bossy. It was the fact of the matter that I was being accountable to a higher to a higher power than myself. So I think no, that's, that's important. I think I think that's something parents can use. Well, it's really important because, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to put that right at the top of my bag of tools, you know, my little tool bag of raising these kids. Because one of the things that I really miss, Rick, is my mom had the, just wait till your father gets home. And that was enough to scare the crap out of us kids, go to our rooms and do whatever we were supposed to do. Well, when you're a single mom, you don't have that thing, but you could pull in God, the father (laughs) of look. I need you to clean your room. I need you to take care of these things and be respectful and things. And I don't want to have to answer to God of why I raised, you know, this child or raised you to not respect the gifts that you've been given or, you know, something like that. But, you know, Mm -hmm. that might be a good one to pull out of the old tool bag. Because I am accountable to somebody else. Because I think sometimes kids just think, you know, that, oh, mom's just being a jerk or mom's in a bad mood or mom wants to control. And, you know, no, I don't want you to drink and drive because you'll end up dead, you know. (laughs) And I have to explain to God why he gave you to me just to raise a kid that did this, you know. So I get that. I think that's a really good one. You have any other good ones you can can throw my way? (laughs) 
I'd have to, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Throw up another topic and I'll see what I can do. Well, that's, you know, along with these same lines and, you know, and we only have a couple minutes left, but the kids can't be the center of the universe. Like, you know, I always tell my kids, it's like, look, it's God first, then it's me, then it's you. If you are losing a limb and bleeding on the couch, you can go ahead of me. But you cannot go ahead of God. God is first in our household. We all answer to God. There's there's someone watching over us. There's that. And that really makes, um, you know, that it just makes it easier to parent because you're not alone. I mean, I'm not not talking about like, well, I am talking about, you know, you pray, you pray to God. And, you know, as a single parent without faith, it's brutal because I tried to do it. There was a time in my life with this uh, single parenting thing, Rick, that I really thought God forgot me. You know, I got hit with my mom's death. I got hit. Both of my dogs passed away. You know, I, I went through foreclosure. You know, I lost my business and rebuilt a new one, you know, lost it in the divorce, things like that. And it was like a wave, a wave, a wave. Um, And I thought God forgot about me. So I know what it's like to parent without faith, at least for a short period of time, and it sucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I think all of us go through those things, whether we're single parents or not. So we've got about a minute before break. What's the one most important thing that you can share with parents listening today? Well, I would say that to not give up. Um, even when things look bleak, um, even when your kids are falling away or or walking down the wrong path, um, and I and I speak from experience. My especially my daughter was, yeah. We, I have a whole book about <laughs> the adventures we had raising her, and now and now she's an amazing young woman. And so it's just, but it's not giving up. It's not capitulating your authority as a parent you know i i and i'll make this brief because i know we're almost out of time but we do have a father-daughter conference every year for dads and teen daughters and one of the things the girls lament the most to me is that their dads don't love them enough to fight for them and what they mean by that is when they're being nasty and trying to get their own way and trying to emotionally manipulate their dad to do things that they shouldn't be allowed to do he capitulates and lets them do it to avoid right, the messy I got to take us out. We're going to bring you back because we're going to have a, a father-daughter, mom-daughter episode coming up. I can feel it. We've got Rick Johnson today, best-selling author of That's My Son and That's My Teenage Son. Pick up a copy of his new book, 10 Things Great Dads Do, Strategy for Raising Great Kids. We're going to be back next week with more helpful shows for parents, especially moms, especially single moms near and dear to my heart. This is Sandra Beck. Catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Military Mom Talk Radio. Want more information? Check us out at MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com or find us on iTunes for more than 200 free episodes. Drop us an email or find us on Facebook. We are looking forward to another great discussion. We hope you'll join us on Military Mom